Producer Matt Burton, yeah, you like me adding great to that at the beginning. I like that. What's going on there? Good days. O- only positive vibes right now, and uh, only positive vibes in, in, in my world. Um, it's combine week, I'll be up in Indianapolis getting all the ins and outs of what's going on up there. Um, how are how was your guys' this weekend? You guys been able to manage over the uh, the last week of social media, which has been not fun. Matt, I'll let you take that first. Yeah, no, I've been I've been good, man. I've been managing this weekend. Uh, you know, got to my some of my family came into town. My mom and stepdad got to hang out with them a while. Went down and saw my dad down in Norman. So, you know, got to see all the got to see all the family. So it was a good good week to uh, catch up with them. Good, Peyton. Yeah, I mean, basically, saying trying to stay healthy. I'll suggest you guys to never uh, cross the age of thirty if you can keep from doing it. Uh, your body starts breaking down pretty bad. But um, if you guys have never dealt with any sciatic pain, uh, don't do it. Hot take, never do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, other than that, been good. Just been limping around, but other than that, been doing pretty good. You know, do, doom scrolling on, on Twitter, but uh, beyond that, it's been it's been uh, pretty good down here in southeast Oklahoma. That'd be one shot for everyone listening. Uh, but other than that, it's been pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's obviously anxious times. Um, a lot of stress we're feeling it. Hopefully this podcast will be an hour where you guys can kind of step back from the world, what's going on right now. Uh, enjoy a little bit of Oklahoma football talk. You guys that are loyal listeners to this podcast, if you haven't done it yet, go leave us a nice comment, rate, review it, do all that fun stuff, subscribe to the podcast on all your podcasting platforms. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, Peyton, it's been a slow news week. Like, is it, is, is it, is it been nice to not have to wake up in the morning and grab, I thought it was making a horrible analogy um, about going to war on Twitter. Um, but that's really what it's been like for the last couple months. Like it, now you had Adam Rittenberg threw his hat in the, uh, in the ring this week, but the national news folks, I think uh, took a nice week off. They're going to run out of gas if, if they keep at this pace. No, I mean, you can always keep mining. You can always keep mining, though, you fan base, in my opinion. We are in an, of, an ever, uh, everlasting supply of salt. I don't, think it's, I, don't think you, I don't think the state can run dry at this point in time. But um, you, we still have that, those are your way too early stuff. I mean, we, we still haven't gotten into the early stuff. You know I mean? Sure. <laughs> you, we've got spring games to go to, spring, you know, uh, transfers again after the spring stuff, and you'll get another round of these things. I'm going... I don't know. Oh, you didn't make a couple of moves in the post post spring transfer portal season. I mean, so it's going to be a, a repeating thing. I think the thing that you can really look towards uh, is basically listen to people who try to back this stuff up. Um, that's not just entirely narrative based. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll own up to that too. I mean, when I'm writing stuff, I try to think about it from maybe not from an analytic political side of things but just from like a logical side of things and think it can't all go bad 
I mean, if it does, then yeah, oh, he's gonna have a bad time. But it can't just it can't just all go bad. Um, and so that's how I kind of think of it as. Um, but if you li- if you listen to Bill C, if you listen to oh, Alan Kenny mentioned this guy who has a YouTube thing, um, his stats says OU coming in at number seven as well as same as a as a Bill Conley from ESPN Plus. So, I mean, the people who use numbers and people who break this stuff down via efficiency and things like that are not really fading on OU that much, to be honest with you. It's more of more of the same to a certain degree. Um, but the people who really want to kind of build tentpole narratives, um, those are, I, I would just, I would kind of look at them with your head tilted just slightly to see where they're coming from. Yeah, we spent a, we spent a good chunk of last week's podcast uh, discussing the same topic, but you're right. It, it's funny like to think about it in the essence of, like we haven't really hit the stride of the off season because now you're going to get like pre-spring football rankings and then post-spring football rankings. You're going to have more transfers after the spring session's over, which means there'll be mid-summer um, rankings as well as the uh, win totals will be released in Vegas around in June. Yeah, there's a lot of time left in the off season. So for everybody, pace yourselves. Yeah, uh, the, the win totals, that's the one I'm looking forward to, the win totals. I mean – where does Vegas have OU sitting at? And that's, that's, you know, if they say eight, you know, seven and a half, eight, then I'll, then I might have to like reevaluate where I'm thinking, but that just seems like that'd be such a, such a low number for the university of Oklahoma. Yeah. And, and we just mentioned a second ago, like SV plus where they have Oklahoma at where um, a lot of the power ratings right now, you know, even looking at some of the guys in Vegas that do their stuff, um, I, I don't see that like it'll be it'll be eight and a half or nine um but it's kind of along the lines of what we talked about maybe about a month ago Peyton like they just won't be double digits favored against everybody preseason like that's just that's just not going to be the case they'll be single digit favorites against five or six of the opponents your win probabilities drop each of those games which means your win total probably drops a little bit more than what it was a year ago I think Oklahoma was either 10 and a half or 11 um I stayed far far away from that um but it was uh yeah it's when totals come out usually june so you got a couple more months three four three four months until that that happens um but it certainly uh was nice i will say to uh, not wake up every day and there's fighting on the interwebs about where i'll use that in college football uh, how many games oklahoma has won in the last 100 years because it's been a lot uh and where oklahoma's heading it was uh Nice little refresher. So I just mentioned here on our uh, on our rundown, you got to recharge those batteries a little bit, Peyton, because in three weeks, spring football does kick off, as uh, I just mentioned a second ago. We'll do a full spring football preview here in the couple, couple weeks. But, man, it feels like uh, – it doesn't feel like this. I was about to say, it feels like Lincoln Riley leaving was just the last week. No, it feels like that was a year ago at this point. Yeah, uh, I am ready for spring football. I think when spring football starts, the conversation will go away. Yeah, I mean, maybe to a certain degree. I mean, if OU shows up and, I mean, what if spring, people overreact spring football all the time. So if Dan Gabriel isn't throwing five touchdowns and a half and the defense doesn't get like 18 sacks and yada, 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 there's going to be a lot of people going like, see, I told you it's going to be a lot. It's going to take too much time. You know, be prepared. I mean, I people are claiming Blake Bell is going to be a Heisman winner. <laughs> you know, so like, there were the, some saying Kyler Murray remember. should have stuck to baseball after his spring. That's true. That's true. I mean, you got to remember that. You got to remember spring football, you know, the uh, eternal hope uh, springs the eternal during spring football at any point in time. 
Uh, are you will you guys be going to the spring game? Was that five bucks again? Then usually, or is this new SEC admin? They're charging us more money. Yeah, yeah, they may have to bulk that up to get everything turnip seeds asking. It may be like thirty dollars a ticket at that oh, point. That's um, poor Oklahomans. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It'll be it'll be relatively inexpensive. And what is it? April twenty third, two o'clock kickoff. No official date on a spring game quite yet. Uh, is that when Drake comes in finally for the announcements? Yeah. Can't yeah, wait. Drake, Drake, and we'll see. He no showed up. Wasn't that wasn't that the the rumor board? The rumor board. I like. I want to call it that from now on. The rumor board. Wasn't Drake the original concert person that that was rumored as well? Yeah, I'm not gonna throw in on throw anybody under the bus here, but yeah, there was there was some people pushing that out. I mean, how is he keep getting like Bruno Mars was thrown in? Oh, it's because Joe C used when Jenny Baranchik was hired, Joe Casiglione at a restaurant in Norman. When she mm-hmm. was in visiting, the so nobody would know. I believe he used Drake's real name as like who the um, who the reservation was under, and so I think people kind of once they had that, they picked up and ran. Drake was at the Oklahoma City Thunder game that night, and in the winter around in January and December, and all that fun stuff. But no, I don't. I would imagine concert wise they bring it back in some form or fashion. Um, but I haven't heard there hasn't been Jack about much about the future, anything spring game practices, how, when those are going to like officially start, um, hasn't been much at all. So yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see what, who they get for the concert. Um, if they do one, uh, I would imagine it won't be Trace Atkins but probably, uh, probably not Drake either. So it will be some a nice somewhere in the middle there. Peyton, I don't know if you noticed this, but Oklahoma is, and every other college football program is currently outworking each other right now. If only you watch the hype videos that their team accounts are putting out on Twitter. It's why, yeah, everyone's going all over the place all the time. I mean, these guys are working. And again, I'll sit there. I like seeing this stuff. I mean, I, I'm a total meathead when it comes to these I'm things. trolling. They're, I'm trolling. They're running I think their it's laps great. and stuff. They're running their laps and stuff. And you got the VOs being like, go faster, do it. And I was, I'm like, yes, into my <laughs> veins, like all the way. Let's go. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, we're, we're spring, spring football, hope springs eternal. Just uh, try to dampen any sort of thing. I'm talking like halfway because it does not seem like, Clemson ever had a concert so I didn't know if maybe maybe some of that stuff would be dragged over uh for their spring game but no I mean it's it's uh it's cool seeing Brent out there that was something we all kind of talked about like will Brent up his social media game was he going to be doing and while he may not be tweeting a whole bunch he's he's being featured a a whole lot when it comes to OU football's uh social media accounts which so which is which is pretty cool yeah I think the hit the nail on the head of like the message that they're trying to send out to the public of we didn't, the things that Oklahoma is expected to do weren't accomplished over the last five years. And that this guy is a hard nosed, disciplined, tough guy that uh, is going to help, help close that gap. They've accomplished that uh, with the videos that they put out over the last Mm -hmm. two to three weeks. Uh, have you seen anything about the weather in California 
No. I heard it's no. great, though. Yeah. 72 degrees, actually, at, on average. I'm not going to lie to you. That'd be pretty nice. It might make me a weaker man, but it'd be pretty nice. You may even go spend a beach day in, in, in February out there. <laughs> when it's icy and cold in the state of Oklahoma. You think there's anything between those two things? Uh, I mean, it's – I don't think so. I mean, there's some stuff – I was looking online about, like, uh, the weather thing, I think, is is legit to a certain degree, especially if you've got a young family and everything, you want to do stuff. And the only time you get a chance to do stuff really is during, like, shitty season <laughs> – shitty weather seasons. Um, so why not? But then I was also looking at, like, tax breakdowns and stuff because I was like, how true – how true is that really? And it turns out the only the, – the, the highest I could make a salary was $10 million a year on this website thing I was using. And he's Lincoln Riley still bringing home like $195,000 uh, every check. So uh, I think he's going to be fine. Uh, even with the government taking a bunch of his money. So I think he's still making plenty of money. He should be fine there. Um, but no, uh, yeah, I, 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 I like going, I, I like visiting Southern California. I don't know if I could live there, um, but I like visiting that quite often actually. So what we're alluding to is that there was a uh, tweet sent out yesterday. It's always sunny in Los Angeles, uh, 72 degree average temperature, uh, 3,254 yearly sunshine hours and only 34 rainy days. Um, There's your recruiting pitch to uh, go play football at the University of Southern California. You can go see that tweet on the official USC football account which eddie radosovich by the way friend of the podcast he may end up with more followers by you than usc football by the end of 2022 which is um really really funny uh i know there's been a lot of comparisons out there that one's uh pretty pretty good peyton the uh recruiting dead period ends monday night 11 59 the clock is back on or back in motion coaches can officially contact uh on the record contact and do it legally uh, contact recruits. Oklahoma will be having, by the time we're recording this podcast next Sunday, Oklahoma will have finished up a massive visit weekend. There's been a lot of hype and built up around this March 5th date. Um, Peyton, they're taking, this is the, this is the more regional, no, not the more regional, this is the more national, at least this month. And some of the visits you're seeing out there um, of recruits that are confirming trips to Oklahoma for this upcoming weekend, as well as the March 25th weekend shape. It looks like that's going to be another weekend they're organizing on having a a group of players in town, but there's a national feel to this. You've seen some guys from New Jersey, guys from Georgia, Florida, the Southeast. Those guys are coming in. I would imagine you're going to have a lot of the local flavor as well um, with some Oklahoma kids, but in terms of local flavor, four, five, six kids from Kansas city, um, in Kansas City, in the greater Kansas City area, in the states of Missouri, in Kansas. I about screwed that up badly. Um, but I want to ask you this right off the top here. What Kansas kids rock. That's been an Oklahoma phrase for my whole life. I've heard that since I was 8, 9, 10 years old, um, living yeah. here in the state of Oklahoma. Kansas kids rock when it comes to Oklahoma football. You like that? You like that they're putting some emphasis on the Kansas and the greater Kansas City area? Yeah, I mean, I think – that's a good spot. I mean, it's a, it's a Metro. You're going to have a different, you're going to have the population statistics that you'd like to see and the population trends that you like to see. Um, it, it just opens up another area. I mean, especially getting into the, um, you know, SEC. I mean, we, they pump out enough talent to why not? There's not a ton of guys who reach into Missouri. 
Um, and, and maybe that's because they don't produce a ton of top end talent, but you only have one in-state school that is really worth the damn to any certain degree. And even it struggles. Um, I don't think, uh, was it Eli Durko, Witsky, um, Dirk Nowitzki. Aaliyah uh, Drinkwitz, the coach yes, of Missouri. Some, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't consider him like a super hardcore recruiter. They did have a top 15 class, if I remember right, of this last time. But that's really bolstered by uh, Luther Bolden, uh, Burden kind of uh, flopping uh, from OU to Missouri, wanting to be closer to home uh, and really bolstering that class. I don't think how often they're going to be to pull in. Was was he, what, the number one wide receiver or something along those terms? Um I don't think that's going to happen that often unless he's literally like born on campus. Um, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of people with their uh, hands in that pie. And why not grab one to two of them if they're good enough? Uh, it, it seems to make sense. Um, OU is going to need to find out where he, they can get some big people. Missouri just doesn't seem to be like you're saying Kansas, Kansas kid rocks, obviously, but uh, I'm talking more that uh, Kansas city, Missouri type area. Then you can get into St. Louis as well. Um, it, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of people really digging their hands in the, into that. And, and maybe, Oh, you can find some, uh, some under the radar type guys to fill out the roster. And Venables has a knack for that. I know a lot of people bring up Isaiah Simmons, but he's not the only guy like there there's, I believe Toriano pride from St. Louis that played for Carl Reed at, at Lutheran or North, I believe in the St. Louis area, same high school Ronnie Perkins is from. Um, I believe he went to Clemson. Um, so that's a St. Louis kid. But he's got – there's been a handful or just under – maybe under that of Kansas kids that went – that were under the radar guys that went mm -hmm. from there to Clemson, have had some success. Um, so it's no surprising that Venables is dipping his toes in the water in a place um, that's very – he's very comfortable in. Um, very clearly, um, that's his home state where he's from. Um, you add in Jaron Canick, uh, a kid from Hayes, Kansas – Anybody knows anything about Kansas? Hayes, Kansas, in the middle of nowhere. Um, I played baseball there before. There's nothing. So uh, they do a really good job evaluating talent, identifying it, um, evaluating it, getting them on campus, and uh, we'll see. You know what the most interesting part? We had this whole spiel, Peyton. They're making these offers in the Southeast. They're going to make Keegan look bad. They're going to make me look really bad and start going after all these kids. Then they start fixing, you know, really focusing on DFW. Well, there's some Oklahoma kids, too, that they're after. But, you know, the one area that Lincoln Riley's staff was after and did a really good job in was in Houston. And maybe that's a Dennis Simmons thing. Maybe that was uh, Lincoln Riley and some of the connections he had. Man, there has been not a lot of movement um, in the greater Houston area under this new staff, at least so far. And I'm curious about this, Peyton. Are you not cutting off completely? That's not what I'm saying here. But kind of cutting off, really focusing on an area that you look at Texas and Texas A&M and LSU and the NIL race and the arms race that you're in, those battles in Houston are become that much more difficult every single year. And maybe taking less focus on Houston and more focus on Kansas City and more focus on St. Louis because they landed Michael Thompson. Is that, maybe Marquise Hayes is a St. Louis guy. Maybe that's wrong. Um, Ronnie Perkins as well. But there hasn't been a ton of focus, like, let's just go after St. Louis and, and take it away from Ohio State, take it away from Michigan. Um, how do you feel about that? Instead of taking less of a focus on Houston and focusing more on the real Midwest cities in Kansas City and St. Louis? <laughs> uh, I don't think – I think – I don't love the idea. If that's like a, uh, 
a concerned effort. If that's not, if that's on a whiteboard in, in, in their recruiting war room, uh, don't touch Houston or like stay away from Houston. I'm not going to enjoy that to, to in any way, shape or form. Um, I think when I spoke to um, on the podcast of Alan Kinney, uh, Alan Kinney on a Patreon podcast last week, uh, he mentioned oh, moving to SEC is just going to have to make OU be good because it just has to. And if OU needs players and they reside in Houston, there's going to have to go get some. You know, can't get them all. But the issue I would have of saying <laughs> – OU needs to be able to pull in a certain percentage, in my opinion, of the top 20 in Texas every year to have a roster that would be competitive enough and not to be a complete waste of resources, that opinion. And that's just my opinion. Um, I mean, we've seen the type of talent a has been able to collect. We've seen the type of talent they've been able to put into the NFL. Uh, and, and honest with you, it, it, if Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray don't exist, AM really is kind of running away with, with the NFL production recently at, at that point in time. Uh, it's kind of tough. I mean, so OU needs to really kind of dig in there and get some more of those types of bodies. And I think it will happen, but even if it's just like the SEC you know, kind of getting away from Southern States or something like that, I think you're just going to see a more surgical recruiting staff. There are, especially if OU's own, if OU fully adopts the Clemson thing, you know, where it's like, oh, we're taking 20 kids, we're giving out 22 scholarships. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's not going to be that same way. It's it's going to be pretty. They're sending out they're sending out those offers in Kansas and Missouri because they know they've got kids who who they who they want and can go get. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they continue that route, though. I I'm very intrigued by it. I maybe it's a year to year thing. Uh, I know offensive line recruiting in the state of Texas in 23 is down from talking to some of our Texas yeah, high school football yeah. people down there. Uh, maybe it's just a, this is that 2023, maybe there's mm-hmm. not as much the talent pool in Houston, just not nearly uh, as what it typically is every single year. One name, uh, name that won't be in Norman this weekend, name that I don't even know if has a visit on the docket to come to Norman. Uh, an important recruit, speaking of state of Texas and, even a more important area in DFW, Javion Toviano, the five-star corner from our, I believe Arlington Martin, the same high school Braden Willis is from. So when the staff transition happened, there was a lot of conversation and I, we wrote about it on our Patreon site. Um, again, it's patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Um, there were some heavy hitters in this class that Oklahoma felt even better about. Uh, post-transition between Lincoln Riley and Brent Venables. Um, heck, I'll mention them all here. Da- uh, David Hicks, uh, Anthony Hill, the linebacker, five-star from um, Denton Ryan. Uh, David Hicks, the five-star de- defensive lineman from Allen High School. Um, there's a, a lot of these guys that Oklahoma felt better about um, even after this transition, and one of them was JV and Toviano. Well, I heard there was an end. And from the, I don't know if, it, I think it's bigger than Braden Willis. I think there's a relationship or a connection there, but there's been nothing concrete quite yet. And I'm not sitting here, oh, burn everything down because of one guy, Peyton, by any means, by no means am I doing this. But man, that's a five star corner that can play a bunch of man coverage that mm-hmm. he could walk in day one and probably play right away. Um, I will be intrigued and see if he has one of these just random weekends he shows up and he's by himself. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But I think 
I'm not going to sit here and say like panic or worry by any means about Tobiano, but you would like to see something get hooked up here pretty soon, right? Yeah, I, I, I want to. I mean, oh, you those top level, top, top level talent. It'll be interesting to see in my opinion. I think anyone's opinion, honestly, it'd be interesting to see how Brent Venables approaches all this stuff. I mean, how does he recruit top in top level guys? Uh, we're seeing a bunch of offers. We're seeing a bunch of guys who are excited, who are all that, you know, low mid tier four stars um, and, and some better than that. Obviously, you know, Jackson Arnold's already committed. We've got some got talent already committed, but how, how does OU interact with top 10 players with top three of their position type players moving forward you know like i said are they doing one-on-one visits them and the entire staff or you know that that recruit and their family come down and every single buddy's in the office at that day and they're taking care of them and they're like really rolling out the red carpet for one person or they putting you know and that can work but at the same time there's something cool about being group settings about getting guys wanting to commit together and like hey we could play together and all that type of stuff so i with everything that's going on with the brent stuff it's mainly just a wait and see and be really hopeful that this stuff's going to turn out the, the way that we want it to. I mean, do you think, I mean, you, you were in the recruiting game for a while on your own side of it. I mean, do you think it's more important to show those guys just how special they are and give them that one-on-one attention? Or you think it's better to be in group settings and stuff? Just, we'll just paint up a broad picture. Obviously each kid's different. They have their different opinions, you know, but, Oh, you had that one offensive lineman guy, I think who claimed he was on a group visit and like some other kid got lost. And that's the reason why he didn't want to commit to OU. And it's like, yeah, that was Josh you're just Proctor. looking for a reason. That was Josh Proctor and Bryce Bray. Yeah. Uh, he's like, you're just looking for a reason. Well, it ended up being good on Oklahoma's part that they got him lost anyways. Um, <laughs> and that was Bryce Bray that got lost on that visit. So um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where like, if you have, events set up throughout the year like obviously Lincoln Riley had the barbecue every single year um the Williams the Caleb Williams and his family took that matter in their own hands with the Sooner Summit in 2020 like if you have events that are set up to get everybody in and be around each other and the camaraderie and the connection and connecting with the kids and letting them you know recruit each other and do that stuff yes but I do think you know, they've already done it with Anthony Hill, Anthony Hill and David Hicks Payton, where mm-hmm. like those guys were basically by themselves on those weekends. And so I think that they're going to take a very personal, re- relational driven process with some of these top guys. And then as well, unlike this last staff, this is a critique that I think I had and you've had. And I think a lot of people had is that it always felt like they were scrambling for plan B like if plan A didn't co- didn't go yeah. through, the old staff was always scrambling for option number two, option B, whatever it may be. And maybe that's not going to be the case with this staff. Maybe the staff understands that, okay, JV and Toviano is being really, really hard to connect with right now. We don't have anything in terms of a visit on the books right now. We don't know when he's coming up. Um, it's okay if we have a guy behind him ready to go. And maybe we bring him in and make him feel like he's a part of everything even though he doesn't have a committable offer right now, um, you still make him feel like he's a part of the family. You make him feel like he's a part of the program uh, and things feel good there. So it would be the big fish out there. I don't know. You know, like I think that they want to be pampered and have the red carpet pulled out for them, but that could also be me. Um, that could be, put be me putting that on them 
putting that label on them. Like every single mm-hmm. guy's like that. And that could also not be true. So, I, think, I mean, I think, I think some, rec- I think some recruiting truths stay the same, no matter what you, you have to win mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And if they're that important, that guy's that important, then you bring them in alone. You have all the one-on-one time with mom and dad as they need. And you answer every single question you, you know, you cross every, every, uh, you know, uh, every T and dot every I, uh and and just you know cover your uh cover your bases all the way there i think that's the stuff that's super important if you bring in these top level guys it is about them you show them have a good time they're having fun but you make sure it's not if i were them i think maybe that's what brent's going to do we talk about his relationship stuff you know it's not just the kid you're recruiting his entire support system as well i mean that that is where OU can really make a difference in my opinion and then also when the nil stuff really starts kicking off that changes the game too and in that in that realm of things, I would still imagine more things are going to be rolled out by Oklahoma in terms of the collective stuff. I know people have been talking about it over the last couple of weeks. A lot of that stuff's in the works. Um, but I didn't even have this in the show notes. It just kind of popped in my head and remember I remembered it when we were just talking about it. Um, I'm just going to throw a scenario out there at you. You ready? Okay. Hypotheticals. Love it. This isn't necessarily hypothetical. What if Oklahoma is still talking to lawyers in the state of Oklahoma regarding NIL law and how it all shapes out? What if those conversations are still happening on February 27th uh, or on the in late February after NIL got released last June or last July? What would you, what, what would you think about that? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you just have to look at the state of Oklahoma's general politics about all this stuff. I mean, there is obviously a strong it's it's where things start getting like cross-dimensional to a certain degree. You would sit there and you could say, hey, Oklahoma, we're just red-blooded American people. We love our football. Then you can also flip that and say, Oklahoma, red-blooded American people, they should be playing for the love of the game and college, you know, this is about education to a certain degree, stuff like that. So I could see that being a strange mixture of uh, how do we do this? And those laws just were like, hey, they can get paid now. And that's it. So what does all this mean? And OU is not one, as I've mentioned uh, plenty of times, OU is not one to get into this, into the spe- speculative market. They're not going to say, let's just do a bunch of stuff. And if it turns out we weren't supposed to do that, we can just feign innocence or ignorance because it wasn't written clearly. OU is going to wait until it is written very clearly and hopefully have their hand in making sure those laws are, uh, because obviously OU's got their hands in pockets uh, at, at that level, uh, especially when it comes because this it, the law basically impacts OU and OSU only to a certain degree inside the state. So they need to have their voices heard. Um, and just making sure that what is being done benefits the universities inside the state as best they can and then move forward. But the idea of it's like, hey, let's just go wild and crazy. And then if they catch us doing something shady that they've decided later was shady, then, uh, you know, fuck it. But <laughs> that's not how you operate. So I, I wouldn't be that surprised, to be honest with you. Yeah, when I came across this week, I was like, or this last couple, or that, that conversation happened about, 10 days, 10 days ago. But when that came, I'm just like, man, it doesn't surprise me at all that Oklahoma is still trying to figure out this NIL thing based off what everything that we know about the, just how much of a circus that process was and like how unprepared Oklahoma was for NIL and old Lincoln Riley got him a little, 
foot to step down on in terms of, dang it, not helping me win football games anymore. Anyway, speaking of coaches and helping win football games, we've do we've been we did it last off season. We're really diving into this off season over on Patreon. Um, you and people have been getting about two interviews a week with insights on some of the Big Twelve programs, national conversations, Big Twelve conversations, um, all that fun stuff. Peyton's got a, an incredible interview um, with Star Wars, from what I understand, Star Wars theme music <laughs> at the beginning um, for Alan Kenny to talk about some of the national media narratives and all the fun stuff that goes into everything of the social conversation regarding Oklahoma football right now, uh, as well as last week. I have not put this out to the public um, for this reason. Uh, Shane Beamer joined the podcast for a, an, as I'm going to say this as nice as I can, a breath of fresh air, a nice genuine conversation with the head coach, a lot of honesty. Um, and we're going to play, play that for you guys on this podcast. So hope you guys enjoy it. But if you guys want more of more content like this, go to patreon.com slash through the keyhole. It's on the $4 tier. Um, you get all these interviews and, and we'll get all the written content and all that fun stuff. So hopefully you guys enjoy the interview. Another special edition of the Through the Keyhole podcast for the second offseason. South Carolina Gamecock head coach Shane Beamer joins us. Talk about the Gamecocks in 2021. And uh, he's got a little bit of Oklahoma blood now over, over in Columbia. How's uh, How are things going, coach? Things are going great. It's great to be back home with you again and and uh, gearing up for spring practice here in a few weeks here, but having a blast and excited about the 2022 season. Yeah, I told you right when I came on, we had a, a nice little 50 degree temperature change here in the state of Oklahoma. You said you didn't miss it all that much, huh? No, I don't. Uh, we'll have some temperature changes, but not quite like that uh, here in South Carolina. So uh it's uh warm here and, and maybe a little bit cooler next week but we're not talking about 50 degree swings so don't miss that. <laughs> south carolina in 2021 coach i'm sure you know uh we all got this we all knew that you kept the receipts from the off season uh but you guys were projected to win three and a half games you go seven and six go six and six big wins over florida auburn beat north carolina the dukes mayo bowl first question to you Nice to have a little confirmation on what you've been selling for a year uh, now heading onto the recruiting trail and in the transfer portal. Yeah, um, it is. You know, I think just the uh, having some success on the field obviously helps. Uh, every bowl game is different. Some are bigger than others. And uh, the bowl game that we won was huge for us from a perception standpoint, uh, beating a border rival um in charlotte which is right up the road in an area that both teams recruit heavily that was really big for us uh and then just you know even before even without a, the, the wins and losses you know i think just the people that visit here and they see what this program's about they see what the people are about uh the way that our guys play on saturdays and people see the, the passion they play with and the joy they play with all that was critical and and was really beneficial for us and then obviously finding a way to get to a bowl game and win that was great as well and, and helped, you know, propel us even more into uh, 2022. Obviously, I'm sure you've been give, you were given all sorts of advice heading into your first year. Was there anything that snuck up on you, though? I'm sure you've been asked this question. Is there anything that's maybe snuck up on you or you weren't necessarily prepared for? You know, yeah, I think it's one of those things you just realize that, like, there's so many decisions 
that you have to make day in, day out. And there's so many things that, you know, you're responsible for. And, you know, some of it um, you knew, all right, I'm going to be responsible for, uh, you know, team travel and what we do at the hotel the night before games and what time we leave and all that stuff. You know, you knew that. But then you boil it down to even the nitty gritty and, and you knew you were going to be able to uh, pregame warmups, how you design that. But then something as minor as uh, the locker room during pregame before you go on the field. I've been around some places where the coach didn't want any music played at all, that everybody needed to listen to their own headphones. I've been some places where it sounded like a rap concert in there 15 minutes before the game. So just things like that, you know, that that are small things, but big things and, and vice versa. That's probably the one thing that you you realize it, but until you're making all those decisions constantly, you don't really, you know, think about it. Shane, I, obviously one of the big parts of what you've sold is about family and how much it, it matters to you. A lot of great, obviously, content from South Carolina football games after wins. Your kids, wife, everybody's right there by your side and interviews and everything to you. How much was it to enjoy? Because I'm sure that they know how much you put into this. How much was it for you to enjoy that time with your family in those moments to kind of brings it all full circle for you, I would imagine? Yeah, no, it was huge um, to be able to 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 spend that time with the family because you know from being around this profession long enough. I mean, it's a lot of hours and and there's a lot of sacrifices uh, that your family has to make. And I'm fortunate that I'm a part of a job that are part of a profession that I'm allowed to include my family in it to a certain degree. So. There are a lot of hours away, but there's also a lot of great things they get to do, like coming in the locker room and being on the field after the games and things like that. And, and I'm glad that I've been around some coaches that allow that. And coming from Oklahoma when I was there with Lincoln and Coach Stoops was the same way, you know, where the family was was involved. I mean, you see this picture over my right shoulder right there. Of, that's after Oklahoma beat Texas in 20. 2019, 2020, and, you know, that's a picture with the team and the families and everybody on the field. And, and I think it's great lessons. One, win and, win, when you win and you lose, that you can teach your children as well. But certainly to be able to share in those moments uh, with your family, make it, make it extra special. There's a lot of conversation, Shane, that we have all these problems in college football. Well, there's discussion about the NIL and the transfer portal, obviously the expansion stuff over the last week. And I'm not necessarily asking about any single individual of those things at all. I think that we're kind of at this point where everybody says we have a problem. and Nobody's really necessarily working to figure out what the core problem of college football, even if we have one. And my question to you is, is that there's obviously parity amongst the top of college football is a question. Um, creating more equity in the sport um, from the top down is obviously a major question. To you, what is the if there is one, what is the core problem we're facing right now? And maybe even a first step to potentially change that. Mm. I got my own issues in this building that I'm trying to figure out without, you know, figuring out where things start with college athletics. I just think there's a lot of, there's a lot of new things that new at new uh, realms that no one has dealt with before. It's the transfer portal, it's name, image, and likeness. And, and, uh, um, those things are here and they're here to stay. So figuring out the way to best make it the best situation for everybody, player and student athlete, I mean, excuse me, coach and student athlete. Uh, those are the things that were, you know, are challenges right now that everybody's working towards. And I'm thankful that I got great, we have great leadership here at South Carolina and our administration and with our, with the SEC 
office and, and throughout college athletics. So I think it's just getting everybody on the same page and, and figuring out uh, how to best navigate this new territory for everybody, student athlete and, and uh, uh, coach. Shane, there's a couple quarterbacks that entered the transfer portal this offseason that were pretty good. You got your hands on, on one of them uh, in Spencer Rattler. Very polarizing season um, from his perspective at Oklahoma. What was your view of it from afar? And how did you view that he played in 2021? Because everybody's looking for steps and progress to be made throughout a career. Yeah, I um, I didn't get a chance to watch a whole lot. Um, trying to think back, Oklahoma games I saw early on, there weren't many. I saw I watched the Tulane game because I think that was a, a day game and we had a night game. So I was able to watch some of that in the hotel before our game. And then I'll be honest with you, the next time I saw an Oklahoma game on television – might have been the Kansas game. I saw a little bit of that first half. So I really didn't see a whole lot of it, but also was well aware of, you know, the there were some new pieces around Spencer, uh, Creed Humphrey being gone. And, and I'm trying to think the other guys that weren't on that team anymore, but there were some new pieces around Spencer for one. And, and I think every situation every year is, is different. And I didn't really dive into too much of, uh, the quarterback situation at Oklahoma, I was Spencer Rattler, I know, played his butt off in 2020 and led us to a Big 12 championship, you know, and faced adversity a couple times that season, starting out losing to Iowa State and Kansas State, and then also getting benched for a period of time against Texas. And he came back in the second half against Texas and brought us back, and we ended up running it off, running off the rest of the games, winning them all and winning the Big 12, and then they went on and beat uh, won, the, won the Cotton Bowl. So that's the Spencer I know and the kind of person I know. So I didn't dissect into what happened in the situation. Every situation is different. I was trying to coach my own team, but I know what a player Spencer is. I know what a winner Spencer is, and, and we're excited to have him in our program. As you bring him into fold at South Carolina, what's the one message that you're going to be carrying with him for the course of this offseason? That I'm telling him? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is is – I don't have to motivate him. I mean, he's got a chip on his shoulder and he's very motivated. He's here in this facility all the time trying to learn what we're doing. And, and, you know, I was with him yesterday and it's okay. You guys run this, you know, we called it this at Oklahoma. And I'm like, yeah, we call it boomer here because we stole it from Oklahoma, you know? And he's like, we ran this at Oklahoma. I'm like, yeah, I know we call it sooner here because we stole it from Oklahoma, you know, so just trying to like marry the terminology. So I don't have to worry about the football standpoint. I think with him, it's just be yourself. And he's, he's done a great job of just coming in and not trying to just come in and be the alpha male and take over everything that's going to happen naturally as he continues to compete and, and earn his place here. You know, the biggest, biggest thing with him is just come in and just be yourself and, and, and immerse yourself into the team and, and any success that we had last season as a football team here at South Carolina was because a lot of reasons, but primarily because of the way that we came together as a team um, and, and, and Spencer's doing everything in his power to, accelerate that and, and that's what I'm encouraging him to do just keep being himself and do that you got a, another familiar face one that you're a lot more familiar with uh in Austin Stogner at, at South Carolina the potential obviously was there in 2020 devastating injury you were a lot closer to that situation than maybe anybody was um took some time to get going in 2021 had a strong finish uh what was it about Austin and I knew when he entered the portal uh there was 
probably at least two schools off the top of my head that was going to be on his list, and South Carolina was for sure one. Yeah, no, I'm so fired up to have him here. I, I, I love the kid. I mean, he's obviously when you coach a position, you get tighter with a guy and, and coaching tight ends at Oklahoma. You know, I uh, really got close with with Austin and and the other guys, Jeremiah Hall and and, and uh, Braden Willis and, and those guys there, Jackson Sumlin, uh, the guys that were there when I was there. But Austin, I know what kind of player he was and you could argue that he was playing as well as any tight end in the country when he got hurt in 2020 and still mad about that play against Kansas uh, when he got hurt. But I know what he went through to come back from that. But the thing that I always talk to say about Austin is, you know, in the spring of 2020, when everything got shut down in college athletics because of COVID and all these football players went home across the country, a lot of guys got better during that time. And a lot of guys did it, you know, some guys went home and sure colleges sent workouts for them to do and all that stuff. But how many guys were actually working and doing the workouts and getting better? I don't know. Austin Stogner was a guy that when he came back to Norman, Oklahoma, from the time he had been away down in quarantine down in Texas, he was like a different player and he was already really good, but his speed, his athleticism, his, 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 his explosiveness, his, um, route running his how strong he had gotten the way his body looked I mean he I don't want to say different person but he was almost a different player in in a great way and that's what I knew we needed more of not more of but needed to get in our program was just the the competitive spirit work ethic that he has he trains with a chip on his shoulder every single day and and I'm excited for him to to get here and, and get rolling with our guys also and continue to uh, continue to uh, expand his uh, abilities as a player. There's a bit, some big news last offseason. Uh, I wish we would have done our interview about four months later so I could have asked you about it. Did, uh, did Joe leave into any idea that he was going to go to the SEC? <laughs> no, I, uh, I was as, as surprised as anybody. I, uh, back in Back in March, I guess, late April, or excuse me, late February, early March, one of our uh, administrators here at South Carolina, fairly high up, mentioned to me, you know, there's, I think your old school has some interest in, in joining our uh, conference. And I thought they were full of it. I'm like, get out of here, you know, and, and that was, that was honestly the last I heard about it until the news broke and, I'll never forget. I mean, I was in, in Atlanta and my wife and kids and I had gone to a Atlanta Braves baseball game. It was an afternoon game and we were driving back and the news, my wife was like on Twitter or something and said it. I'm like, that's some, that ain't real. You know, what, what site are you on? And then you realize that it was real. So no, I had no, no inclination. You would have thought my man, Joe C would have been like, Hey, hold tight. I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you soon at SEC meetings, but I understand the del how delicate and sensitive that situation is. But no, I was as shocked as anybody and had no clue. And sounds like there were a lot of people in Norman that were just as shocked. Yeah. Tran Transition-wise, I'm curious. If there was one thing that you did, not to give the secret sauce of how to win the SEC away, Shane, at all, um, but if there was one thing that Oklahoma needs to be prepared for for a transition to a conference like the SEC, what is it? <laughs> recruit defensive linemen uh, would be one thing. I mean, I think that's the uh, 
don't get me wrong, there's great players in the Big 12. There's great defensive linemen. But the amount of just talented defensive linemen that you see in this league week in, week out, depth, size, athleticism, power, everything. You know, you, you may you, – you saw them – in the big 12 with certain teams, but they may have one or two guys that are concerned for you from an offensive line standpoint. In this league, I mean, there's teams, you played Georgia last year and they're going like nine deep and people were like, well, Georgia's great. Yeah, well, so is A&M, you know, Alabama's got a bunch of really good ones. Auburn's got a bunch of really good ones. LSU's got a bunch of really good ones. So I think that's one thing that really stands out to me is just the, the, the difference in play on the line of scrimmage, particularly defensively. And then I think the one, the other thing that just, is an adjustment is and it so makes the SEC so special. And this isn't knocking any stadium I went to in, in the Big 12, but every stadium you go into in this league, I mean, it is it's an event. And there's gonna be, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100,000 people every single week. And you you got that in the Big 12 when you went to you know, you came to Norman and there was 80 plus thousand. And I don't know how many people were coming to Texas games, what their attendance was. But, you know, here, you know, I mean, just us alone this year, we played in Athens, Georgia in front of 100,000. We played in Texas at College Station in front of 100,000. We went to Tennessee and played in front of 100,000. Um, you know, so I think that's one thing that the, the crowds, the going on the road, the hostile environments and, and, Look, going to Texas Tech and playing in Lubbock's not easy. I'm not saying that, but it's just it's it's a different level, you know, here in this league, which makes this makes this conference so uh, so uh, so special. They don't like you when you come to play, and and there's a lot there's a lot of people there letting you know about it as well. Shane, you got up close and personal with uh, Brent Venables, Oklahoma's new coach. One of the last games that you guys played uh, in 2021. What? I've watched the game. <laughs> what is Oklahoma? Obviously, discipline, intensity, all that stuff has been driven in from day one since Brent Venables has taken over. But after that game, was there anything that, I don't know, surprised you about Brent or what maybe Oklahoma is getting um, in a guy like Brent Venables? No, I think there was nothing after the game because I knew going into it all the same thing. It's just from a defensive standpoint, the amount of stuff they do defensively, and now that Oklahoma will do, I'm sure. I don't know how you coach it all. I mean, it's they were the biggest challenge for us to get ready for because there's just so many things that they do. And there's a lot of teams you can say, okay, they're going to be in a four down, even front. They're going to play quarters coverage, and they'll mix in a little bit of man free or hey these guys are three down odd and and you know they're going to pressure you a lot and, and that's it I mean with with Clemson with with coach Venables it was just so much stuff you you, you didn't know and um, you know being able to adjust to different formations and things like that so that was the biggest thing for me is just the, the schematic challenges that they presented as you prepared for the game and then during the game as well and you know we we obviously did not handle it well at all and 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 played really really bad uh in all phases not just our offense versus their defense but i'm glad he's gone i know that um there were a lot of, there were a lot of people in our offensive staff including me that were 
that were stoked when when he got that job for sure. Congrats to thanks. Thank you, Josie, for that. <laughs> uh, Shane, thank you again so much for doing this this offseason. Looking forward to talking to you next offseason. Yeah, can't wait. Keep up the great work. That was Shane Beamer, head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, former assistant at the University of Oklahoma, as well as an assistant at South Carolina, as well as an assistant um, under his dad at Virginia Tech. Um, Peyton, I want to see this. We have, we, I don't know if we've talked about this take too much um, that I believe you have, you've had. How much did Oklahoma miss Shane Beamer in 2021? Well, I think it was, I think it was a major change. I mean, I think that was potentially the difference between OU uh, succeeding at its goals and OU ending up where they went. I mean, that, 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 that's kind of hard to say because if the idea was Lincoln was actually actively courting people, courting other programs in September or something, um, and maybe Beamer knew earlier and was able to get off the boat at that point in time, but something I mean, he got offered a head coach job. But, I mean, you have a head coach basically on staff helping keep everything detailed-oriented, helping keep everything put together. And if you've seen any of the content South Carolina's put out, you see that Beamer, I mean, seems to be that family-oriented guy, seems to be that dude who's very relationship-based. I mean, this is the type of stuff you should, you should be getting excited about Brent Venables if he's the same type of guy. I mean, Brent obviously is a harder guy than, than Shane is. Um, Shane can get kind of rowdy. I've seen stuff with him, like, getting after it. But Brent, Brent is more salt of the earth uh, than, than Shane is to a certain degree. Uh, but Shane is that guy. If you see him, you, you watch everything. He's just taking care of his kids. He's taking care of that program. He's putting stuff together. They're going out and do stuff. You know, OU just put out some content over the weekend, I believe, or two weekends ago, them like going to, what is that place called? Hardee's or Haiti? I mean, uh, Dave and Buster's. You know, going out there and it's, it's just about being friends and being quote unquote brothers and all that type of stuff. And you can tell it, that was probably what Shane did at OU was very much so culture building. And it seems like Lincoln was really busy. In my mind, it's just like he wanted to be an NFL coach and didn't want to do all the other stuff. So, the, you know, Shane's the guy who was like leading the prayer groups and doing the Bible studies and all that kind of stuff that helps these young men be men uh, to a certain degree. Um, so it does seem like Shane is, is um, South Carolina made a good call to a certain degree. I mean, we're going to see how it goes. They had a rough schedule last year. They outperformed, I think, by four games, and their their post win expectancy was, I think, like a seven, like six point seven or something. They ended up winning seven games. So I mean, it wasn't all smoke and mirrors. wasn't all crazy stuff. They just went out and outperformed by four games of their uh, over under. So um, yeah, he he's he would have been a difference maker. I I don't think we could have seen Lincoln Riley do what Lincoln Riley did if Shane Beamer's on the staff if that makes sense. Yeah, I got done with that interview, Peyton, and it was just in my head was like, well, if it was either Shane or Brent for Joe Castiglione to hire as the next head coach at University of Oklahoma, it's not a bad, not a bad duo to pick from. Um, oh, if Shane's on, if Shane's on, if Shane's on staff, he's the head coach. In my oh, I, yeah, I, yeah, no, I agree. I agree a thousand percent. Yeah, I bet they keep it in house. Yeah. Um, at that point. Yeah, I mean, I didn't ask him. I was thinking about it, man. I was like, they'll call you. 
I was gonna just straight up just yeah. bl- just blindside him. Like, did Joe call you to be the head coach? But I also knew that probably we wouldn't get an interview next offseason if that happened. <laughs> so uh, I decided to not ask all the hard hitting questions. But there's some. Again, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, and Matt is like, is did Shane just get Oklahoma in trouble with the Big Twelve? Oh man, yeah, he kind of dropped a little bombshell there. <laughs> so when he said it, like. I, you guys know exactly where my head went. Like I started putting and connecting all my dots that I had over the course of six months, but it was certainly, uh, certainly whenever he mentioned the February thing, I was just like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. So I should have, uh, I should have asked again on it, but I didn't, but again, I hope you guys enjoyed that. You guys can go to patreon.com slash through the keyhole. You can get Peyton's interview with Alan Kinney, as well as all the interviews coming up. Uh, Parker Fleming, uh, Stats of War on Twitter. All UOU fans enjoy getting into discussions and engagement with him um, regarding his absolutely regressing TCU Horn Frogs. Adam Lunt will join the uh, podcast as well as Ian Boyd Mm -hmm. um, over the coming weeks. Some of the bigger names in our Big 12 network of people that we talk to. So if you guys enjoy that stuff, like I said, patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Guys, um, as we wrap up, focus on some of the other sports that are happening it was a big Saturday for Oklahoma athletics uh, but let's focus on the big guns and Norman uh, Jocelyn Allo continues to get walked she is getting the Barry Bonds treatment uh, at the collegiate softball uh, level and I love it Patty Gasso putting her at the top of the lineup today to say hey guess what you can't walk her the first first day be of the game uh, I love it I believe they moved to 16 and 0 they beat a ranked run roller ranked Arizona come from behind and beat a ranked Tennessee um, 16 and 0 on the season Peyton. They are a machine. Yeah. I mean, this is it. Like they're going to be tested. They've been tested the Tennessee game. You know, they got down and came back uh, to kind of get there to, for a walk-off. I mean, you, you have to be tested. That that's the one fear I was, I was kind of having with the, with this team and with honestly past uh, Oklahoma softball teams in the past. Um, in my opinion, they've kind of been like a um, Gonzaga basketball to a certain degree. It's like, they're 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 racking up a bunch of undefeated seasons or just losing one season like who are they actually beating what was the season like were they just steamrolling everybody you know um like to put that example i think you know gonzaga had a hard time putting away san francisco um this past week i think i mean it's been a long time since uh uh mr celtic played there uh so (laughs) it's kind of tough to have a hard time you know with those types of teams but OU playing these teams beating these teams beating arizona you know, walking off Tennessee, like I'm watching the uh, Jada Coleman uh, two-run homer to end it right now. The team is just freaking out. You know, this is how this is how it puts together. I mean, honestly, the football team would have it would do the football team great benefits if they had to if this this is like some social outing stuff they had to do so go to go to the softball games and like how they are going to the basketball games and stuff. You know, like having. Uh, you know, having like going to the locker room and having that coach talk to them and, you know, all that type of stuff. Like how do you build a team? How do you build a culture? Because what we want to see at OU football, OU softball is doing <laughs> to a very high degree and very high level of talent and just like overall performance. So it's something really cool to see. I mean, it, there's a, it'd be cool to see back to back. It'd be cool to see all this stuff. It'd be cool to see everyone whine and cry about it being played in Oklahoma city again. But guess what? That stuff disappears the moment they jump the SEC because all the best programs are in SEC, and then it'll be like, oh, it's just that's SEC territory. <laughs> so, um, 
we probably got in there a year or two of people complaining that the uh, that tournament's played in Oklahoma City. Yeah, the, man, the TR, I, I about jinxed them. I got to come clean. I tweeted out the – I think they hit a three-run home run the first inning of the Tennessee game, and I made a comment about, like, the, the, I'm getting UConn's women basketball vibes with OU mm-hmm. softball, and they about blew that game. That would have been bad. But they uh, they came back and won. So, like you said, they're been battle-tested. They're also getting a lot of pitchers, and this isn't going to turn into, like, we don't have expert analysis on OU softball. I promise you this. No. But I, I will say this. The, they have so much depth pitching this year, which was a problem, I think, that they've had in the past. Yes. Obviously, Jordy Ball is fantastic. But Nicole May and then the Trotween or Hope Trotwine, maybe, I believe is her name, from the transfer from North Texas. Um they got a lot of depth in their lineups. Their lineups young still, and they're freaking good. Yeah, they're they're going to be uh, they're going to be a problem over the course of the rest of this season. We'll see uh, see if somebody can sneak up on them and uh, bite them here, and maybe get that loss out of the way before the end of the season. Um, not going to pull that card, but yes, I think a team going undefeated that whole time is not good. Yeah, do you guys have any uh, on a slight off topic? Do you guys, Matt Keegan, do you guys have any softball experience? No, other than, um, you know, my girlfriend used to play softball. That's I was there. I was there at um, the gate. The oh, was it the the Tennessee game where they beat Tennessee and it went however many innings. Like, I was I was there for that. Uh, that was it was just an awesome atmosphere. Lauren Chamberlain had a walk off to uh, to win it. Just kind of like she always did in her career. She's always hit home runs. <laughs> just always. So yeah, that that team was fun, man. That team was a lot of fun to watch. But in my mind, like, and I'm not, I'm not just saying this. Like, I enjoy watching college softball more than I yeah. enjoy watching college baseball, like any day of the week. And but it, it does help. I will say that uh, OU's like the best team every year, basically. So that helps too. Yeah, themselves the entertaining factor with like softball, like it being Oklahoma, just like elevates it ten times. Um, I was going to say, Peyton, I have definitely have talked shit to a softball pitcher before and, uh, I've, uh, stepped in the box. So it's, uh, I've gotten to take best of both worlds, put the ball yeah. in play, didn't hit it hard. So, uh, anyways, outside of that, you that's my only experience. Yeah. You haven't lived until you've seen some, uh, Native American softball tournaments. Uh, I've heard they're, I mean, I've heard they're fun. Yeah, they're going on until like 4 a.m. and stuff, like, you know, five nights in a row. I mean, this is it, – it's where it's at. People, they're going like to their RVs, taking naps, and then coming back out to play their games, and, you know, tr- two-drink minimum type stuff. But <laughs> uh, it, it's it's a fun environment. Um, that, that's my only real experience in softball is that type of tournament. It's like my mom would play in them, and I, I would be like nine running around the Hugo uh, softball complex like at 2 a.m., you know, running around under the bleachers and stuff. <laughs> So, I mean, it's, it's a fun environment. Softball is a, is a, is a cool regional, uh, maybe that's just like a fully, so, I mean, uh, you think softball is just like more of just like a Southern type of thing because all the higher teams are mainly West in that Co- Southeastern and area. West Coast. And West, West Coast. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a West Coast and stuff in the South. I mean, it's also at the same time too, I would imagine that specifically Power Five, even G5 programs in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't know if they've invested the money in the softball. Like, they're going to need turf fields, like, in order to get seasons in. Like, all a lot of those programs 
um, from Nebraska all the way across into the Northeast. Baseball programs, like if you don't have a if you don't have a turf field, your first month is spent playing below the Mason Dixon line. I mean, yeah. you're playing in the South, and you're going to Southern Texas, Florida. Um, you just don't have the, the weather is just such an impact. Um, so I would imagine that the North, the Great Lakes and the Northeast, I would imagine that they just have not invested the money into having you know turf fields and having all the soft everything that softball teams are going to need up there. So um, that would probably be the reason behind that. But yeah, it, it was funny, Peyton, seeing everybody complain already about it. I saw, I guess, the announcers in today's game for OU softball game was complaining about Oklahoma City and OU and all that, which is, again, it's love it. It just, it just doesn't. I mean, if OU wins it this year, they'll, it'll have, it'll spark discussion. But I mean, OU fans will travel. Yeah. So. I mean, if they win it this year, what's it, their third or fourth title in 20 years or something like that? It's not like it's a major stranglehold. I mean, it's their – they won 16, 17, and 21. So, um, 18, 19, 20, no, they would have won four of the last six. Well, they're just the best team, too. I mean, it's, it's – I guess the same thing like what college football is doing with, with recruiting and Nick Saban and, you know, it, would college football actually be dying if Saban had only won three national championships? And then like Oklahoma has one, Ohio State has another one, you know, stuff like that kind of breaks it up. I, I don't think that'd be the case, but you have a super dominant team, super dominant program, just being super dominant. Um, so you just got to kind of deal with it. But I want to take a side note because I want to ask both of you another question. This is Peyton Aska, Keegan and Matt questions uh, segment. Uh, when did OU become a, um, a rich white private uh, city school? Uh, we've got ranked in tennis, ranked in golf, ranked in gymnastics. Gymnastics is great always, but we're beat. We're at, I saw the, the rankings. I was like, man, are we TCU all of a sudden? What's going on here? Uh, has OU always been way at the top of those things? I had just been quite paying attention at our, uh, at the, at the uh, snobbiness at the uh, certain uh, parts of athletics in Oklahoma. No, seriously. It's like, um, it, I think what it is, is maybe they're getting tired of Oklahoma state being like, yeah, we have more national championships than anyone. Oh yeah. When they have like, 35 wrestling titles yeah. which is still cool that's that's awesome but they also rack up equestrian national championships and all this stuff so josie i think maybe it's like a, a josie thing like hey if we can get some of these uh national championship numbers up in uh sports that not a whole lot of people watch then uh you know we could just we can add those uh feather feathers to our caps so they've been good in gymnastics for a while for a they've while been good in softball for a while they've been good i mean they've been up and down baseball wise obviously they're not one of those teams that's ranked wrestling's obviously i've wrestling's where wrestling has been at my whole my whole lifetime Um, golf's on the up and up (laughs) yeah golf golf. is both golf programs are good men's and women's um women's basketball is obviously heading in the right direction Mm -hmm. um i i think it's just track and women's soccer like track, women's soccer, wrestling, baseball are the programs that are like kind of always in flux. Um, and maybe I'm even skipping one or two. I, so I don't know. Um, I mean, that's it's been this way for a minute. Um, kind of like the programs that I just mentioned, like the gymnastics program has been good for forever. Just like I said, yeah. softball has been good for forever. Um, but they've been the women's tennis, I guess, just got good. Men's tennis has been up and down good over the last 10 years. So 
it's really just rowing. And yes, Oklahoma has a rowing program. It's yeah. really just been yeah. rowing, women's soccer, baseball, wrestling, um, and track. Like those are the only five programs that have, I guess, more been consistently more down in the last decade than they've been up. So, um, and, and I'm okay with, in my opinion, is like I, I do have scheduled to interview Adam Lunt, and he had that tweet about OSU always winning, always quote unquote winning Bedlam because they they win all the other stuff. If it's if it's not like if if you have to involve like something else, like an animal or something, that shouldn't be counting. I don't know what I don't know what the world is there. None of this should. I mean, like A and M, like meat judging and stuff. I mean, it's come on, like it's <laughs> it's Texas Tech. It's the Texas Tech meat judging team. The meat judging. Like okay, the last sorry. fifteen, they no. won like the uh, last fifteen national championships. No, that stuff should be frowned upon greatly, and people should be like stuffing people in lockers at that point in time. Um, now, I do have a slight opposite take when it comes like esports stuff, but. Uh, that's still like you're still doing the thing you know it's not like you're you've trained a horse to dressage or something you're you're actually you know playing the thing so I can, I can get a, a little more on board with that but track and field yada 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 ah, what are you gonna do <laughs> what are you gonna do we get a ball I in mean, your hand I want oh you to be good at it sure I mean yeah we are we're gonna get we're gonna get in trouble I was about to say uh, I guess I will say it I mean, when we're talking about hobbies right now, not necessarily sports, so. Oh, like golf? Go, I mean, or baseball? You can't even well, have baseball anymore. We're, listen, we're working on it. We are working on it. They are meeting deliberately for a third time today so they can avoid a uh, baseball meltdown. Let's, uh, before we get, before we even get too much off topic, uh, Oakland wins basketball, wins Bedlam. They don't get swept. Um, I don't know if they should have won. I don't know if anybody deserved to win that game. I sadly didn't get to watch the game. Well, not sadly, because according don't to my timeline, according <laughs> to my timeline, uh, my dad, uh, my dad texted me there. I called him after, after the remote, uh, I was at, I was at work, couldn't watch. So I called him after I was like, Hey, I saw, saw, oh, you won Bedlam. He was like, yeah, they, uh, they set the game back about 20 years. I was like, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm glad I didn't watch it. This was my take. You could have put that game in black and white, take the three-point lines away, and you wouldn't have not known a difference if it was 1980 <laughs> or 2022. It was so gross. There was a time that between the two-minute mark and the one-minute mark at the end of the game was so bad. Like, And I, I mean this in a nice way. It was like watching seventh-grade JV women's or men's basketball, either one. It was awful. No, there was like four turnovers in a minute. There was multiple fouls that were called. No one could control. There was actually no fouls were called. No one could control the basketball. It was one of the worst minutes of basketball I've ever watched in my life. And I'm not kidding when I say that. I think I'm not being hyperbolic at all. Like, it was seriously one of the worst minutes of basketball I've ever watched. Now, Matt, all of this to be said, you basketball is, even though they won Bedlam, they have, I believe, two more games upcoming, West Virginia and maybe Kansas State. At Kansas State, one of them. Um, you, win, you win both those games, sneak maybe two in Kansas City. I'm telling you, their metrics are so good that someone's going to put them in CA tournament. And I, God, I don't know if they need that. I don't know, man. Especially without Elijah Harkless. Like, I've been saying that this entire year that this, this OU team, they don't have, like, a guy. 
they're basically all kind of, mm-hmm. you know, role players. Uh, but, and you can win some games like that. You know, you get you get hot in a couple games. We saw, you know, Emoja Gibson hit eight threes in a game to beat Tech. Like, um, but Elijah Harkless was kind of like your closest thing to a guy, especially with the way he was playing before he got injured. He was kind of your closest thing to, okay, we're pretty positive we're going to get the ball to Elijah Harkless if we need a bucket, like at the end of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't have that now. You do not have that now. The offense uh, is just not getting any better. So I, I'm with you. I, I don't think uh, an NCAA tournament bid would be good. Um, I mean, it would be good just at least for optics. Like just be like, yes. hey, we, we yeah. made the NCAA tournament. That's that's always better than not making it. Uh, but they would be – I'm pretty positive they would be in um, the last four in, which is you're, you're playing – uh for the 11 seed basically you're not you're not even in the tournament you're playing in to get into the actual tournament so uh, so then you run the risk of like okay well i mean we kind of played in the tournament but not really like we just played another 11 seed and we lost so i I don't know they could they could sneak a few in i mean the way they play defense there i should say the way jordan goldwire plays defense now that harkless is out that's another thing that elijah harkless brought was one he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the country um so i don't know man it's it's tough but i mean i'm, I'm with you if they win these next two which kansas state always tough up in manhattan but uh don't have long kruger anymore so that's true yeah don't have that, don't have that voodoo on it yeah. yeah yeah so who knows win a couple of those and then see what you can do in the big 12 tournament then who knows who knows but I, i'm not uh I'm not predicting a uh, Cinderella, you know, elite, no. eight, elite eight if they get in the tournament. No. no, like they're, I will say this, they get so many open shots. We Every podcast when we talk about the men's team, it's this. They get so many open shots. You can just tell whenever they get more talent, they're going to be pretty tough to deal with um, over the course of the coming years. Peyton, um, women's basketball. So, one, they beat Kansas State on Saturday. Um, redeem themselves. That, yeah, that elite did not let someone them. score a hundred points. <laughs> but I didn't realize this. First round of the NCAA tournament. If you're a top 16 seed, um, first, second, third, fourth seed, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. um, you host the first weekend. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's why women's sneakily is why women the women's tournaments better to a certain degree. Could you imagine like? if Duke's like hosting somebody on campus oh. <laughs> before they then travel to the major hub, that's cool stuff. And especially Duke, cause they usually lose like the six. They wouldn't, exactly. Seats. They wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't get beat by Mercer or Lehigh or At Virginia home. Commonwealth. It wouldn't At have happened. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. And that's the kind of stuff like that's, that to me, that's, that's a cool part of college, college sports in general is, is going to other colleges. And that's, like my hot take on the on the twelve, if they do do expand the twelve on the football side, that the first round just has to be on campuses. And I know there's a lot of push, and everyone's kind of saying, "But yeah, but then you may have to play in Ann Arbor." It's like, well, that sucks, but you're going to have to play in cold weather. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to play in Columbus in February. I'm like, ah, well, uh, win more games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and for sure. So Cherry Cole was honored. Uh, by the way, they won. They won Saturday on a buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. Um, God, the name. The fact that I don't have the name. Taylor Robertson. I know Maddie. 
Taylor Robertson, yeah, the three point shooter. Was it double it. overtime? I don't know. I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember if it was overtime. I know the men's the men's game went double a t. Um, I That's just saw the women's I confused. Yeah, the, I saw the women's game. Um, popped up that they held that the the big the big girl from Kansas State kept her in check, played well. Um, Oklahoma's really. I looked up at least one bracketology thing for women's basketball, and Oklahoma is a four seed right now, so they will like it's if they keep performing well over the next couple of weeks, they'll likely be hosting a couple games. And I think the cool part of this too is like, and this is what I was really going to ask you about. I know that we don't focus on women's basketball too much. I know even in terms of our attention throughout the week, um, it's up at the front of our head, but the way that they were able to rally around Sherry Cole this weekend, despite the, all the uproar last year, you know, she needs to go the, you know, some of the allegations that were said, um discrimination the racial stuff that was brought up then don't know what came from that but there was obviously a lot of it seemed like it's a lot of hot water around the women's program last year and to see the them rally around sherry cole the way that they did and there was a good crowd there from everything that i saw in retrospect the women's basketball terms at the game saturday to honor her in the 2002 final four team um now that's a team that i watched a lot of basketball of. um so uh, women's basketball in the 2000s, Keegan Renault did pay a lot of attention to. So it was just, I think it's just so cool the way they're able to rally around Sherry Cole. And maybe that speaks to the OU culture um, at large. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just, that's, that's just Oklahoma sports. Everyone gets brought in. Everyone gets brought back in eventually. In, unless you just a complete broken everyone's heart. Like, Lincoln Riley's never going to be, he's never going to come back, you know, 20 years later and, and get the, Hey, thanks for the memory stuff. Um, but everyone is surrounded here. This is what makes, that's some of the stuff that makes OU special. I mean, in like, you know, like Brady, like the founder, Brady, maybe didn't like late stage Bob Soups and how the program kind of helped him out and continued him on and celebrated him um, for losing uh, three of the four national championships. He had a chance to win uh and letting some recruiting slide towards the end but it's something cool it's something cool that they, this is still home i think that's if you've ever coached here you've ever been a party here it, it's still home for a lot of these guys and that that's something um a lot of guys and 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 women you know that's that's something that's i think that's hard to replicate across a lot of college uh, college sports college athletics yeah it's uh again i think it's super super cool and Shout out to Jenny Baronchek for not <laughs> pushing Sherry Cole out the door on her way in um, because it is someone that does, I think means a lot to the state and, and, and to a lot of people. Uh, I, I'm from Edmond, so I know damn well that Sherry Cole played at Oklahoma Christian here. Uh, I don't I believe it was Oklahoma Christian College back in the day. So, um, no, it was really cool. And like Paige said, big week, and like we talked about big weekend for Oklahoma athletics, um, a lot of great things. Oh, you OU baseball closing a series out right now against Northwestern State. Um, looks like they're going to finish that one off. They will take that series. OU softball obviously did their did what they did in the Mary Nutter Classic. And uh, everything else that we talked about in this podcast, I don't think we missed anything. No, no, sounds good to me. No, I think we got. I think we covered everything we could have possibly done. <laughs> I think so. It was, uh, it was a slow news week. So for everybody, you guys made it this far in this podcast. We greatly appreciate 
guys again leave us a nice comment review subscribe to the podcast on all your podcasting platforms that includes spotify you spotify listeners out there we greatly greatly appreciate it peyton boomer 